All right, good morning, Wendover Hills. How are you? Good. I'll just answer for you. All right, make your way back to your seat. Um, I am excited to walk through this final message in our Disciple Shift series. All right. We're glad you're here this morning. I'm, I'm really excited for a weird reason. I got a new mic cord. You know how every week, yeah, yeah, you know how I'm doing this with you? I don't think I have to do that this week. This is, this, this level has, uh, this tr- sermon has the opportunity to hit like a higher level that you've never been a part of before. So this is, this is going to be good. This is going to be exciting. And since, uh, you know, I don't have to fiddle th- with this, I mean, I could just keep going on and on and on this morning. So I'm kind of excited about that as well. This is week six. It's the final week of our Disciple Shift series. So I want to tell you a couple things before I launch into this. Um, I do want to tell you um, the, the message is, um, they call it somewhat briefer than, uh, than what we've been walking through. Um, that was just habit. I, I did not have to even adjust that, but it was habit that I should be adjusting the wire. So I want to tell you a couple things before we launch into it. Um, number one is uh, next week we're going to launch back into kind of our Bible study focused sermons starting next week. Uh, as you know, this summer we, we really talked about our, our commitment and our core of using God's word. And so next week we're going to be launching into a series in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now you might have been in the church for 15 years and never walked through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's not the most uplifting, exciting book in God's word. But it's a pretty powerful message about world outlook and how we just look at life and what matters and what's significant. And so next week we're going to start that. In fact, we have a couple of our small groups that are going to be launching into the Ecclesiastes series a Bible study to go along with it. So like if you're not in a small group yet, now we have a number of our small groups are doing the discipleship material that we've been walking through the last five weeks. So they're taking what we talked about and they're like blowing it out for, four we- or for 12 weeks. Some of you are in those groups, or you maybe it's this morning you should go sign up for one of those groups. Um, a couple of our other groups will be launching into the book of Ecclesiastes, and they'll be following kind of with the sermon series. And so if you're like, yeah, I'd like to, to have that kind of continuity with the sermon and working through this series, um, then get signed up for one of those groups. You can do that at the back, and uh, we'll get you plugged in to one of those groups uh, as well. Then there's one of our groups that is going to do something brand new that we've not done. We're calling it storing, and basically we're going to be taking one of God's stories in the Bible, and we're going to be learning how do we receive God's story and how do we turn around and tell God's story. Um, So it's kind of a little bit of a unique approach. So if that kind of sparks some interest in you as well, um, you can sign up for that group as well. That's the three focus for this semester that kind of go along with us wanting to disciple and be a part of discipling you. Okay, so that starts next week. Uh, one of the themes in, in, in starting that sermon series is what we started this summer is that we are a church of the Bible. Um, we're a church of God's word. We want to be a church that carries God's word. And so we've been challenging you, don't just show up to church and stare at a screen and interact there because the screen will not be in your bedroom and in your house throughout the week. Um, so bring your Bible. Learn how to open up God's Word. Learn how to get in there. Take notes. Highlight. Whatever. Learn how to do that. And if you're a tablet person or phone person for that, great. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I think we kind of make the excuse that we use our phone because we're not in the habit of using our Bible, but we have our phone in our back pocket. So we say, oh, yeah, I got it right here. Um, if that's you, I'm on to you. If it's not used and you really use the phone, then okay, I'll give you a pass. All right, so 
bring God's Word some way, somehow, and interact with it starting next week with the Ecclesiastes series. Also want to tell you this. I'm going to uh, overview the last five weeks in a matter of seven minutes. Um, it's not really possible to give it good uh, credit and respect what we've worked through the last five weeks, and it was all progressive, in seven minutes. But I need to do that because I need to talk to you very direct kind of this morning. Um, so if you've missed any of the last five weeks, could you please go to our website, uh, windoverhills.org, and catch up. They're all there. Uh, all, by Monday morning, they're always up. But last five weeks are there. Please work through it. If you were here and you're like, I just, I don't quite understand how that worked together, just go take a look at it a- as well. Um, the other thing that's there is these graphs that we've been working through. Um, you'll see a little spot on the side that says download sermon notes. Just download those and you'll be able to look with your eyes on what I'm talking through uh, when, we, when uh, you listen to it uh, as well. That would be great. So, all right, let's jump into it. And we're going to recap. If you've got your sermon notes, front side of your sermon notes has two circles on it. All right? um, I promise you this is not like those complicated Bible code things you look at on TBN sometimes when you're flipping late at night past some channels. Um, this is actually our plan towards discipleship. And so what we did was we took about three weeks and we talked about the first graph, the first circle on the top there. If you didn't get sermon notes, this is going to be pretty important to you. So slip up your hand and and Michael come running one your way. We want to make sure you're able to see this with your eyes. We spent about three weeks walking through this first circle. And basically this first circle is identifying five stages of discipleship. It's identifying five different people. We were careful to say every week that we can't perfectly fit into categories, but for the sake of generalization and helping us see what we're trying to do as a church, here's five categories. There's people that are spiritually dead. They don't know the Lord yet. God is calling them. You might be inviting them, but they've not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ themselves. And the key word is the word unbelief. But then there's this born-again experience where they come to know Jesus Christ. Born-again is not our made-up word in the church. You know, Jesus is the one who authors this word in the book of John. And so there's this born-again experience, John chapter 3, where somebody comes to know Jesus as their Savior. And they start to say, I'm going to let Jesus be the Lord of my life, um, and I'm going to follow his direction away because I believe that is better life for me, both now on this earth and it's life eternal that I otherwise would not have born again. They become a a, a spiritual infant, a new Christian, just like some of you have new babies in your household or you have had uh, their spiritual infant. They can only do so much for themselves at that time, so we're teaching them. We're building into them in the discipleship process. What is God's word? Why do we read God's word? What is prayer? Why do we pray? What is the significance of this church thing we talk about often? Why do we even say the phrase like, like Christian fellowship or Christian accountability? What does all that mean? We are teaching the infant that. Really, the key word is ignorance um, because they just don't know yet. And so we're teaching them. Eventually, they become a spiritual child. And uh, it, as children often are, the, really the word that defines it is selfishness. Don't look at that as negative per se. Um, Selfishness in in the sense that they're growing and learning in this, but they still are kind of focused on what does this have for me? What's in it for me here? What does the church have for me or my family here? Um, And so they walk through this. This is a a fine, good stage for people as they're growing. The danger comes is when people get caught up in this stage for 10, 15, 20 years. And at 20 years, you're kind of like asking the question, dude, what's what's the deal? You've been a Christian for 20 years. Why are you still so kind of focused on your, yourself and what you get out of this? 
Don't you know there's a purpose and a mission that God has for you? When they start to latch on to that, we call it young adult. They're starting to understand that not only are they, they spending time building into their Christianity and growing of the disciplines of being in God's word and praying, but they're actually locking on to God's purpose and his meaning. And so they start to order their days and they start to think about what they say yes and no to in their life based on not self, but based on God's purpose and God's mission on the earth. So when they think about serving with our kids down the hall, do you know that we have some kids, some teachers that serve two and three weeks a month down the hall? And do you know why they're doing that? Well, they love kids. That, that, there's probably a role in that because they can't get into here because some of you that God has pushed on are here and can't get yourself into there. And God's saying, when you latch on to purpose and meaning, you don't say, but that's, I mean, it's time away. I got to pr- prepare some. I've, it's time. You say, that's a purpose and meaning. And I'm willing, I'm willing to take on some of what comes with it because I, I'm learning and latching on to God's purpose and, and uh, meaning and mission. Then at some point when that person says, oh, listen, I'm, it's not just about purpose and meaning, but it's about turning around and discipling and building into somebody else and, and helping them along the same process that I've gone through. I want to be like a spiritual mentor to them, and we call it a spiritual parent. And remember, I told you, not a spiritual adult, So, because sometimes the mistake is, oh, I'm a spiritual adult because I've been in the church for 20 years. That's not how it works. You can be in a church for 20 years, and you could be like slipping and declining in your Christian walk that whole time. A spiritual parent focuses on who has God placed in my life that I can turn around and disciple? Who can I disciple? This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, a little bit more depth, but that's a spiritual parent. Then the second graph we talked about and and really went in depth last week is really from a practical perspective is what do we do for each of these, these areas? Like, what does it look like in the church? And for the first group, two groups, we said for spiritually dead or, or for infants, we want to share with them. Share with them our lives, share with them the gospel, share with them new truths, share with them habits of the faith. And then for, for children Christian, we said we want to connect them to things. Instead of trying to just live the Christianity on their own, we want to make sure, first of all, we connect them to God. That's their source. That's what they should plug into. But we want to connect them to a spiritual family as well. Small groups are part of that here at our church. And then the key that the transition to start connecting to purpose and meaning. And then as a young adult, we want to start giving them ministry opportunities, teaching them how to minister and how to care for them, equipping them in that way, provide opportunities. And then, you know, some of the hardest things for parents when I see is to actually release their kids out to do something. And it's releasing them, releasing these young adults to actually go and to do the ministry. And then, of course, with our our parents, we want to to disciple. We want to teach them the process, and then we want to teach them how do you actually disciple somebody, and how do you walk through it with somebody. Can I just tell you, um, young adult and parent Christians, if God's pushing on you right now to disciple somebody, discipleship and people are messy. It's, It's not clean. It doesn't look as nice as this graph that we just worked through. It's hard. It takes time. It takes energy. And sometimes the person we're discipling responds great for a few weeks and not so great for a few weeks. But you know what? God's grace, his peace that he puts on us in the calling uh, it goes miles. And so we want to be a part of that process and teach how do you disciple? 
What do you do when even conflict arises and teach into our parent Christians? So that's where we've been, right? Um, like if I brought you up on stage, could you like walk through that graph for me? Let's try it. Let me just pick somebody. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, this, is, this is to help you understand the church's part. And so for the last five weeks, what I've been telling you is the church's part Our commitment as a church, as a staff, as a board, as key leaders, as influencers of the church is what we just walked through. It is those graphs as we walk through, those circles. Um, And if you missed any of that, again, listen to the messages so you get the full understanding of that. Here's the question for this week. If you flip to your back page, so what's your part? I want you to ask, what's my part? What's my part? I mean, if, if, if it's all about this is the church's part, this is the leadership, the staff, the, the board, the key leaders, the influencers, this is their part, then wouldn't we really be saying the rest of you are just child Christians because you're just saying, you know, hey, you're doing this for me. What's your part if you want to be discipled? What's your part if you want to be a disciple or to disciple somebody else? Now, here's what I'd like you to do for the next few minutes um, as I walk through this. Um, uh, two quick things. One, I need you to be very introspective on yourself. I just need you to evaluate yourself. You and God, you're sitting in the chair. God's there. You don't have to stand up and, and say anything. But I need you to go before God and say, God, where is it you're challenging me in this area? Is there somebody in my life that's been, that you've been using to push and I've been, I've been just like stiff-arming that person? Have I heard directly from your word at the times where I opened up your word and yet I'm like, I don't like that verse? You self-evaluate where you're at. Here's the second thing I want you to do. This sounds a little funny. Um, For the next few minutes as I walk through a little bit of this, I'm going to sound like kind of a whiny pastor. Um, Can I just allow you, can I just say, will you just let me get through that? Let me walk through that? Because I think it's setting a platform of what we're talking about this morning. So if it comes off sounding for the next couple minutes like like I'm going, um, that's that's not the intent and the focus but I think it's, it's necessary to kind of get where we're going this morning as we look at these three, the big three, as we'll call it, in just a second. So is that fair? Will you allow that? Good. I mean, I'm going to do it, so it really it doesn't matter to me. But um, it'd be a whole lot less awkward if you weren't, you know, like leaving while I was walking. Okay, I appreciate that. So what's your part? Here's the first thing. This is the overarching thing. See, there's one already. Derek, we'll see you. Have a good morning. So... Yeah, the first thing, the overarching thing, and I just, I just wanted to make it as short and direct and blunt as we could be so that we understand, like with your kids, when you say, let me be very clear, take out the trash every morning, eight o'clock, period. Got it? So this is my way of saying, let's be very, very clear this morning. Here's the first thing, you're blank. Show up. Show up is the first thing. You know what God's saying is, what is your part in the discipleship process? And he's just simply saying, show up. Show up to church. Show up to Christian fellowship. Show up to your small group. Show up to your time in God's word every morning. Show up when it's time to take something to the Lord in prayer. When God is calling on you and pushing on you, you're driving down the road and God says, you know, you really should start this or you really should stop this. Like, show up in your response to God. Show up. You see, I think we live in a world where it's so easy when we run into things that might be a little bit difficult or taxing or energy-based, and it's so easy just to say, if I just hang on for the next couple minutes, 
this situation will have passed and I will no longer have to deal with it and I can just run on with my day. You ever been in a group, in a circle of about four or five people and somebody says something very awkward, very awkward, and what do you do? You kind of stand there in your head like, I don't agree with that at all. And then the conversation shifts, then you begin to engage again in the conversation. Can I just tell you, in your Christian life, that will be the death of your Christian life. If every time God is pushing on you, challenging you, if you just like, if I just hold off for a minute, it's a form of saying, I'm not going to show up. I'm just not going to show up to this. Now, I played sports all my life, and I, I can tell you, I loved, for me, baseball-wise, I loved the defense stuff. Everyone loves hitting, but I loved being able to get out and field ground balls and throw. I hated when the coach made us do these little drills with our gloves where we had to, you know, like run in place or do these short throws like this, running all the way down the field. I hated those type of things. I mean, not only was the conditioning a bear, um, but it just, it wasn't overly exciting. It wasn't being at shortstop fielding the ball. It wasn't the same. But they were just as important, right? Show up, Tom. Just get on the line and do these and find the benefit to what you love, what it builds in your life. Show up. So you have your own story. Just popped in your head as I was telling mine. Some of you, it was like soccer-based, or it was like this-based, or work-based. Or you had your own story. I didn't even have to tell you to think about it. We understand the principle. We just like to conveniently never apply it, never is too strong, not often enough apply it to our relationship with God. At the beginning of the year, when you make your New Year pledges, or you hit summer and say, I have some summer goals, how often in your life have you said, these are my spiritual goals this year? These are my spiritual goals this summer. Now, we might have made some goals on some things like I'm going to get off this alcohol, things that will impact and help our spiritual life, but how must make those spiritual goals showing up? Here's what the next two lines I want you to fill out here. If you want to be discipled, you have to be present. Just the bottom line, you got, I mean, you got to be present if you want to be discipled. I told you last week that the average Christian outside of Sunday morning when they have this or their small group or Bible study or Sunday school in, in some churches, um, the average Christian spends about three minutes in God's word over the course of the week. Three minutes. That means maybe if they're going every day, they're reading verse a day, or maybe they're hitting it good on Monday morning because, you know, you're energized, you're ready to go you know, I'm going to attack this spiritual thing on Monday. Um, and then you don't look at one the rest of the way. I don't know how it sets up, but some way, somehow, it averages out to about three minutes. Uh, not to excuse pastors, I told you last week, it averages out to about 12 minutes for pastors. 12 minutes seems pretty short for anybody, um, let alone uh, pastors, right? So basically, over the course of the week, we're not spending a lot of time in God's Word, but I want to throw you another one out here. Uh, I told you a while back, Barna had released this book with all these stats. Well, I got a copy. It was sent to me. I've read through this here front and back now. And basically, the gist is 1.8 Sundays a month is what the average person who says they have a church, that's their attendance rate. 1.8 Sundays a month. Now, let's just call it four Sundays a month, and let's throw out the fifth Sundays, because I don't know how to do that math to figure out how many weeks are in a month. So let's just call it four. 1.8 over the course of four in every month. Um, If you can quickly do that math, uh, you'll know that that's less than 50% of the time 
Now, I want you to know that that, that didn't hit me right. I was like, 1.8, I mean, I, I don't know how they're quite doing this. Like, what is the stat? What's their focus group on this? I, I knew it was hundreds of thousands that they had, they had interviewed, but I wanna, what, what are they looking at here? So I thought I would do this. I would do our own study for the last four months, and I would take just our attendance. So I'm not just taking people that say they have a church that haven't been to church in 10 years. I'm taking people that they would say, Wendover Hills is my home church. You show up on our care list. You are one of 210 people that are on our care list that we look through every single week as a staff. And you know what I came up with? Well, it wasn't 1.8, so that's good. That's good. It's 2.3. 2.3 Sundays a month is our average attendance for somebody who claims Wendover Hills Church is my home. Now, again, these people, they would say, I like the music, I like the church, I I I love the chairs we get to sit in. I I like the pastor's messages, you know, he goes a little short for me, but, uh, you know, I love all of this. But if something else surfaces, chances are I'm going to go to that. If something else comes up, chances are I'm going to do that. If I had a hard Saturday, if I had a long trip on Saturday, chances are Sunday could be pretty tough to get up and get there for. If I've hit four weeks in a row, I feel so good about it that I kind of feel like, you know, it's just natural to kind of feel like I'm doing good. Let's, you know, let's hit IHOP today. Then when you add in the, the, really, the things in life, the vacations that are legit, I hope you get to get away the trips away, the times where, you know, you wake up and somebody's throwing up down the hall in your house, or maybe it's you throwing up in your house. Um, When you add in those type of things and you do all the math together, do you know what our stats at our church, Barna aside, 2.3 a month. Now I want to just ask you honestly, and I told you I'd sound like a whiny pastor here for a minute. Is there anything else that you sign up for or commit to in your life? Your kid's sports league. Boy Scouts, your choir, your band, your dance, your, uh, your own little hobbies that you do as adults. Is there anything else you sign up to, commit to, and you tell the person up front, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be there 2.3 times uh, of four, of every four. I'll be there about 2.3 of every four. Like, like go to your coach and try that one out, uh, if you would. Just, just throw that their way and see what. Go to your boss and like try that one out with your employer and, you know, see how far that gets you. Go to your spouse and throw that one out. I'm going to be, I'm just going to be around about 2.3 of every four minutes that, that we have together. Now, I know some of you women are like, yep, sounds about right. You know, um, I'm talking and he's like this, you know. So, um, listen, I understand all the things, the vacations, the sicknesses. I got three kids. We like to get away too. We just recently did, and I appreciate you letting me do that. Um, So you know what I'm talking about. You know I'm not leaning on those. What I'm saying is if you want to be discipled, if you want to be built into, if you want to receive everything that we've talked about the last five weeks, what God has put on our hearts as our staff, as we remodeled what we're doing and what we're going after, the for the purpose of not just saying, hey, you're a seeker, we'll, we'll focus everything to you. It's to say everybody on every spiritual level needs to be built into and raised up for the goal of turning around and discipling others. Then quite simply, you got to show up. You got to be a part of that. You got to plug in on that level so that you can receive. Now, very often when somebody comes and they'll say something like, 
I just, I just don't feel like I'm being you know, built into or raised up much. I don't, I don't feel like there's much here for me. Not every time, but nearly every time I can go to that care list and I could just walk you through how they've dis- disconnected in attendance. Disconnected in the showing up, small group, Sunday morning, fellowship with people within the church, and just on and on on that list. Here's the second thing I want you to, to fill out here. If you want to disciple, you have to give time. If you want a disciple, you have to, you have to get, like, I've just walked through the discipleship materials, this, this 12-week program, twice now. I'm about to start a new one on Monday night. So, like, if you're intrigued at all by this, you're like, I need to walk through that material. Um, God's been pushing me, and I've been ignoring it. Then you need to get signed up tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. You, you need to come and be a part of that. Um, but I've walked through it twice. I'm about to walk through it a third time. Really, I walked through it a third time before I ever took the first group through it. So three times. And I can't figure out how to get around this. Discipling someone, discipling a small group, takes my energy and it takes my time. Period. I can't get around it. I'm trying to find the shortcut on how I might be able to build into somebody's life and spend time with them and disciple them without actually having to use any of my energy or very little bit of my time. And I just, I can't figure it out. I I can't figure out how to make that work. And so the the, the phrase is very significant for us. If you want to disciple, it's going to take a little time. It's going to take some time for you. And guess what? As somebody who's done it and knows it from experience and even walking through it with people now, sometimes you're going to get frustrated in the process. Sometimes the process is going to take more time than you even signed up for. Sometimes a little less. So I'm going to tell you this morning, it's part of the same showing up. Not just if you want to be discipled, but if you want to be used and discipled in that fashion, we have to show up. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you uh, in that this morning. Make church a priority in your life to be here. Make, I, I'd love this, this message if like all 210 people on our list were here to, to hear this. But really where you need to hear it is God calling you saying, if you want to be built in a disciple, show up. Make church. Make Sunday morning a priority. Make your small group a priority or a small group if you haven't yet signed up for one. Make opening God's word every morning and praying a priority in your life. And if you're sitting there this morning saying, I don't even know where to begin if I open up God's word. We love that. Why? Because we just talked about this discipleship process. So we would want to start, we'd know right where to start with you on how to start building into you. If you're like, I don't even know how to begin in God's word. But don't let that be your excuse. Okay, I'm off the whininess. Can I go on and talk to you now about the big three? Um, This is for everyone who knows Christ and everyone, for our purposes, who uh, calls Wendover Hills their home. I want to talk about these big three that I think is important in this process. Here's the first one, is that uh, it's be faithful. Because we want to be faithful. Now, this is the most generic word in the Christian world, faithful. Um, You got to have faith. Just be faithful. You know, do you have enough faith? Well, my faith was tested. Often, if you had to follow up every time somebody said the word faith in one of those contexts, and like I said to you, um, what do you mean by that? Could you define what you mean by that? I think often we were like, I'm not even so sure. Um, but we use the phrase all the time. So let me talk to you about what I mean. Be faithful. A person who's committed to the things of God. 
committed to the things of God. That's faithfulness, and it talks about our Christianity side. It's looking at God saying, look, this is what I'd like you to be about. This is what I'd like to make you into, how I'd like to transform you. We talked about it. Here's the mission and purpose I'd like to launch you into. Here's the person I would like you to go disciple and build into. And you say, I'm on board. I'm on, Lord. Yeah, let's do this thing. We call that faithfulness. Faithfulness. Committed to the things of God. Committed to those things of God. What do we say when we talk about marriage and we say faithfulness in our marriage? What we're really saying is... There are a ton of other men or women around. There's some pretty ones out there. There's some ones that I like, you know, I get along with pretty well. Um, if I was so desired, I could create a path towards one of those persons that turned into friendship and maybe even turned into something romantic if I wanted to. But you say, no, no, I'm faithful to my spouse, faithful to my wife. I'm never going to walk down that kind of road. I, I know immediately it's something at work that like, ooh, that that conversation is not right. I'm never going down that path with them because I don't want them to get the wrong impression. I'm faithful to my spouse. You know what God is saying here? Faithfulness to me. Be committed to the things of me. Be committed to the things of God, that that is faithfulness. Here's what Matthew 4.20 says. And before I read that, let me remind you that 4.19 is the key verse we've been walking through. Do you remember 4.19? Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of people. Follow me. Make a decision. I will make you. Let Christ transform us. Fishers of people, I have a purpose and I have a meaning that has to do with people that don't know me. This is the next verse. The people that heard this, these fishermen, this is what they said, Matthew 4.20, and they left their nets at once and they followed him. Now, this wasn't the first time these guys had interaction with Jesus. Don't, it's not like Jesus just walked up, said that verse in 4.19, and they're like, we got it. We're on board. They had time to kind of investigate. They were somewhat of followers already. They had time to see Jesus. They knew he was in the area. They had probably heard messages. They knew what was going on. And when Jesus stepped up and said, I'm calling you to be one of my disciples, one of my followers. And they said, yeah. And they left everything. We don't get any hint other than, than a little bit in the book of John where they, they, were, they were fishing and Jesus appeared to them again, we don't get the hint that during their time with Jesus that they returned to fishing. What we get is they left and they followed Jesus. Can you see them saying, we're going to be committed to the things of God. We are faithful. We just lost our income. We just lost our, you know, our job. Um, but we're going to be faithful to the things of God because that is what you've called me to. We are blessed that Jesus does not call us all to walk away from our jobs and to follow him in that capacity. For many of you, he's actually banging on you to follow God within your job, to reach people in your job. But faithfulness stands either way. Here's the second thing. Be available. Be available. What does that mean when we're available? We say, hey, if you need me, I'm available. If it involves like moving somebody, what you're really saying is, hey, if you need me, I'm available. Oh, I hope they don't call me. Oh. If you're on a first floor apartment, you are welcome to call me. I'm available. If you're on a third floor apartment, please call like Al and Derek. Don't, don't call. Don't call me. So yeah, availability, saying I'm available. I'm available for you. I'm here for you. What does this mean in this capacity? Again, another definition. A person who's allotting time and priority to growing in their walk with Christ. To growing in your walk with Christ. Now, I've got a, 
a, a close uh, a baseball, former baseball player who's took a, a job at a college. He's a grad assistant, so he's kind of attached to a sports team, and he follows him around, and he does things for, for that team. And uh, I've been really kind of proud of him and what his plugging into the church and his growth and his Christianity. So I, I called him this week, and I just said, hey, are, how you doing staying connected in God's Word and prayer each day in this new position? It sounds like you're being run ragged. And it took a little while for him to respond. Um, and then when I got the response, he said, not great. It's just I'm so busy in this job and what he's doing. And grad assistant means you're going to school too. Um, and he lined up this busyness um, that, that's going on. It sounded pretty busy. Um, a lot like some of your jobs and lives, what they look like, especially the, you who work and go to school at this, uh, as well. Or, or uh, you know, my friend Brian Booer is working two, like, full-time jobs right now as his company's closing out and he's doing, going on, on his own company, which we're really excited about. Um, so it sounds a lot like your, your jobs. But I want to be honest with you. Uh, my friend there, my, my former player, my response was, very simple, is very short. I said, hey now, don't give me that. Now I have the relationship with him, I can talk to him that way, but what am I really saying? We are available often to what we want to be available to. We don't get to do everything we, we want to do. Yesterday, my favorite author was in Raleigh and, uh, from Wyoming, and I, I couldn't get there. I just didn't have time to get there. We can't do everything we want to do. But those top priorities in our life we're available to those things that are important to us. And what we're saying here in this process is be available. Allot your time and your energy towards the things that will grow you in your Christian walk. Listen, Bill Hybels writes a book, Too Busy Not to Pray. He nails it with that phrase. If you're busy, if you're into a lot of things, guess what? Your need to plug into God increases because your marriage is in danger zone if you're busy. Your kids connection, that's in danger zone, all of it. So spending the time that you need to spend in your Christian life. Now, maybe you're this morning, maybe you're an infant Christian like we walk through and you're like, I don't even know what those things are. Let us disciple you. Let us help you to understand what that looks like and how you can connect to God in those ways. Here's Acts 2.42. We've used this throughout this series. Let me read it once more. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We see some of the spiritual disciplines that go into that. You notice that for them, even the word music does not show up. It's such a big part of our church world, but that doesn't even seem to be a part, at least in this. We even have the blessing and the opportunity of our music to listen to as we drive and those type of places. But he says that they were devoted. Devoted. Now, I know that, de- that word devotion has about five different definitions in Webster's, but they're all understandable to us. When we say I'm devoted, we mean something much greater than, yeah, I go every once in a while. Yeah, I do that. I think about that here and there. We understand the word devoted to mean something much deeper and more impactful and of greater priority in our life. Here's the third one that I want to walk you through this morning. Faithful, available, and the last one is teachable. Being teachable. I would guess right now that every one of you in one of your professions and one of the roles that you've had, maybe it was just little league coach, whatever it was, you've had some time where you interacted with someone who it was your job to convey information or process or just, I want to just help you out here, and you were met with somebody who had no interest in hearing from you. 
not teachable, you would have called that. Not very teachable. I think one of the key things and why we're walking through this is that we have to be teachable by God and the one who is discipling us. Here's what the definition we're using here. A person willing to learn and open to be challenged by God and believers. Saying, I want to learn. Now, the second one's a little tough. I'm even open to be challenged in where I'm going. That's tough in the Christian life. Because when we challenge somebody and they don't want to hear it, guess what is the number one phrase we're going to hear back every once in a while? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Can I just tell you, theologically, it's the most misused phrase that we ever use when we say, you know, it's not a Christian's job to judge. It's not your job to judge. Actually, it's quite interesting that when we're talking about those who are far from God that don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible says that's not your chief role. To go down the street and to tell somebody, look, my chief role to tell you today is your lifestyle's wrong, you're blowing it, you know, you're a heathen, and you're on your way to hell, and if you don't change, I mean, that's really not the chief role as, as far as we look in Scripture, though we spend a lot of our time and energy doing that. But we find that if we look in God's Word, specifically the Gospels, and then Paul writes about this quite extensively later on, that to challenge and hold Christians accountable is very much in our role, in our job as believers, to speak into the lives of others. So the phrase, don't judge me, almost never, I say almost never, because I can't cover the word never in every situation, but it so often doesn't even apply when we use it, because it's part of our role and our job to challenge one another, challenge each other. And so we have to be teachable, open to be challenged by God and believers. Now, I, I, you know, I've been a coach for a number of years, baseball mainly, and there's always somebody who is not very teachable. And it is just no fun for a coach. It's no fun for a team. And really nothing ever gets Never, nothing really ever happens uh, in advancement. So if I'm going to be faithful, right? If I'm going to say I'm committed to the things of God and I'm going to be available, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be uh, you know, available, I prioritize my time, and then I say, but, but I'm not going to be teachable when you challenge me, then where really have we gotten in that process? Not too far, probably mostly verbal commitments, but here the teachable, it starts to turn really practical, 2 Timothy 3.16, we said this once before. Let me make sure you, you hear it again. All Scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for what? For teaching. All right, we get that. For reproof. Okay, now that's getting a little, a little harder on me. For correction. What? And for training in righteousness. I'm back to something that I, that I agree with. But those two middle ones, that's, that's tough. Teaching, reproof, correction, training, and building up. That's what God's Word is there for. Every bit of it is there for that purpose. And we learned earlier before, why are we trained up? Why are we gifted and empowered and discipled? So that we can turn around and build up the church. So we can build people up in their faith. So what's the church's part? Everything we've talked about the last five weeks. That's the church's role. It's, it's my role. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're putting into play and, and everywhere. It's why we've designed our small groups this semester to look like what they've looked like, which is different than what they've looked like. If you've only just heard the word small group and you haven't signed up or gone, then you haven't recognized the difference and the shift in what we're doing. Um, if, you, if you're there, you're going to see that 
being built into on where you're at in your spiritual level. That's our role. That's our job. What's your part? Show up. Show up. Sunday mornings, make it priority. Look at your schedule and say, is that me? Am I a 2.3-er? Am I a 1.8-er? It's not like I guess it's a competition or anything, but it's really about our own growth and our own discipleship or what God's calling us to do in the discipleship process. Be faithful, be available, be teachable. Hey, this is the end of our discipleship series. It's, it's done. Everything we do coming out, it, it's, it, it's coming out of what we've talked about, but that's done as far as me standing up and teaching in this capacity. If God is tapping on you and you need to learn more in this process, in this discipleship, because you know God wants to use you to disciple somebody, please get signed up. Uh, Monday night, but there's two other groups that you could join too that are walking through the discipleship material. If you're like, you know, hey, I'm, I, I, Tom, I, I, I kind of think I'm at the point where I, I need to learn more about God's word. And if you're starting Ecclesiastes next week, it would probably make sense for me to walk through a Bible study. Then please sign up for one of those Ecclesiastes groups. There's two of them that, that'll be, uh, uh, one's launching tonight and one's launching uh, beginning of October. So, uh, so those will be happening uh, very soon. And then there's, there's actually two additional groups, and they're actually doing two different kind of curriculum. So there's lots available for you. There's a women's group that, that is meeting, another one that's launching very soon after retreat. There's a men's prayer group every Wednesday night to go into to fellowship and actually pray. Um, I mean, how scary is that, huh, men, that you're going to go and pray for an hour? Um, but it's happening and happening well. Teens. We have our youth program every Wednesday night, middle school and high school, two different groups being built into on their, on their level. And of course, every Sunday when you come, your kids go down the hall and they get built into as well. There's lots of opportunities to plug in and to be discipled. I encourage you, show up. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this morning. I thank you for, for this group that's here and that's willing to just uh, hear a little, a little bit of a, a push and even whine from their, their pastor this morning. Father, I pray that over the last six weeks, this week included, that this has been impactful in a way that transforms us, transforms our focus and our energy and our time, our commitment as well. Lord, I think we would all give verbal credence that you are priority in our life. But Father, if we were honest, that doesn't always match up to what we practically do. And so Father, this week, would we go away with that phrase, just stuck, just in our head, just would it, would it be loud? Would it be with an exclamation point, all caps in our head to show up, show up to your house every Sunday, show up in our small group, show up in the time in your word every day, show up to service opportunities, to show up that any opportunity to be built into and discipled by you, that we'd say, I'm going to show up. I'm going to quit finding every excuse I can find on, on things that are going on that would be a priority for that five or ten minutes, and I'm going to let that dictate. Would we step back and see the bigger picture that discipleship is our key and our greatest significance? So help us, Lord. Drive us to show up. And then, God, could I just ask for every single person, would you show them the blessing? Almost immediately, would you show them the blessing that comes with us? We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
All right, so next week we start Ecclesiastes series, so bring your Bible along with you. We're going to walk through it for six weeks. Um, we are up to, um, I'm a little nervous about telling you this number because some of you are going to go, oh, good, we're almost there. I don't need to do anything. Um, we're up, we're shooting for 100 oat mills. We're up to 91 oat mills. Um, but uh, actually, what John doesn't know is I, I've got a big crate full that my gym was willing to participate with us. So chances are we're well over 100 now. Um, so yeah, that's been pretty awesome. Um, good. So that doesn't mean if you have not participated, you cannot get some in. Um, if we said 100 and we walked in and said, hey, we got 127, be an awesome story. Uh, so if you have oatmeals to bring, remember we're collecting 42-ounce oatmeals. Um, they can do the little ones and the big ones, but not part of this collection, what we're talking about. 42-ounce oatmeals. Um, if you, if you uh, have some this week, just bring them by the church office from 10 to 2, Monday through Thursday. Address is in your bulletin, and so uh, you can return those in. Or if you go to a group this week, if you've got small group tonight, if you have men's group, youth group, um, or women's group, you can take them to any of those groups as well. Just need to have them in by Thursday, and uh, we'll take up anything we have to, to collect there would be great. So we're going to invite our ushers uh, to come forward, um, and uh, I want to tell you one significant thing as they're coming as it relates to the building is uh, we've just talked with our lending institution. They now have uh, kind of the offering terms for us and, and asked if they could meet and sit down with us um, as early as tomorrow, if the, if the meeting times work out for, for those involved. And so we very, very possibly could be walking away with this, that meeting saying, hey, these terms look all good to us. Remember, the, the board set boundaries on that. You voted on those boundaries. So we kind of have a clear roadmap to go in. And if that is all met and, and looks good, which, which our lending institution feels very positive about, um, it, it's very possible soon, very immediately, we'd be hearing kind of some, some good news about... Uh, setting a construction date, groundbreaking, all that kind of stuff. So uh, pretty excited about that development that came about on Friday, actually. And so uh, could you keep that in your prayers? Because I'll be meeting with them uh, very soon this week. Could you keep that? And could you remember how significant the, the financial side of our building gifts is as well, especially as we launch into it? Everything up to now has been on paper, we launch into uh, bulldozers moving, it's actual dollars going. And so we have to stay faithful in that area. Up till now, half month in, we're only about, only about 1500 collected on $6,004. That's our goal every month. So uh, uh, please stay, stay faithful. You can use the online giving if you'd like. Um, you don't have to, to bring it in the morning if you don't work that way. That's fine. So let me invite our ushers. Come take up our morning offering. And uh, we'll invite our uh, praise team to kind of lead us out singing this morning. Would you stand?